Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. I'm your host, Jason Tardick, and you can hear from this voice. I have a little shot. It has been 12 days on the road, a whole lot of talking, a whole lot of moving, and I'll tell you what, I am ready for a little rest in recovery. But welcome to the pre-market trading segment, where I tell you a little bit about what you can expect from today's episode, a little update from the market, and something happening in my personal life. First and foremost, if you could please remember to subscribe, give us a five-star review. At the end of every single episode, we do a recap and we give one thing away from the influencer closet to those who give us a five-star review. So thank you for that. Today, without further ado, we have the one and only, the legend, Carrot Top. Carrot Top has been a comedian for decades and decades and decades. He is absolutely legendary. He has been referenced and noted by almost every talk show, every late night show, every celebrity literally out there. And what's interesting is like everyone loves Carrot Top, but he's also known as like the brunt of the joke. Like he's always like, oh, it's Carrot Top. But also he talks a little bit today about how he understands that. He recognizes his brand and leaning into that has served him with 30 plus years of a very successful career. I think the biggest thing you're going to hear today from Carrot Top it's his relationship with money. It could not be more different than mine, but it is so wildly refreshing. You're not going to believe what he says about his checks. It's, it's literally such a refreshing take. So I'm excited for you to see into the life of a comedian, what it is like performing in Vegas for almost 20 years in the ins and outs of an industry that is growing by the second, especially with social media. So this is Carrot Top today. Now, something I want to talk about in the market, we talk all the time about inflation. Inflation, 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 inflation. I want to take a beat here. I want to go with like a 101 here. Just make sure that you understand why inflation is being talked about so much and really what it is. So inflation wasn't really talked much at all because in 2019, the overall inflation rate in the US was running at 1.8%. In 2020, the rate was 1.2%. So we haven't seen much inflation, right, over the last two decades. But once we hit 2021 and 2022, things changed. 2021, we saw the inflation go to 4.7%, and then it reached its peak of 9.1% in June of 2022. Now, we just got a new inflation report that came out for the 12 months ending September 2023. A new inflation report came out saying that the U.S. inflation now is 3.7%. So the reason it's being talked about so much is because just in the last two years, inflation has changed so significantly. And I think at this point, you know what it is. But inflation, right, it measures the increase in the price of goods or services or the decrease in buying power. Now, here are the things that inflation factors when it comes to the effect cost of living. Higher food costs, higher gasoline costs, higher utility costs, not receiving an increased wage, higher interest rates on home loans. So those are the top five ways that we are impacted by inflation. And what we're seeing now in the housing market is that housing prices are affected by many factors connected to inflation. But the biggest one is going to be the cost of borrowing, the cost of our loans. And that is what's changed the landscape of the real estate market. Now, I wanted to do that because I have talked so much about inflation and interest rates. I'm like, are we really even doing you guys justice by not explaining the basics of it? So that's what you need to know about the current inflation report. It is cooling down, but this is why it's such a prevalent topic. 
I saw two quotes I really liked this week. One was just talking about the whole idea that when you are paid your money, when you are earning your dollar, every time you spend, just think through it because you are giving away your wealth every time you put that card down, every time you pay cash. And if it makes sense, an experience, something you need, do it. But if you're spending on too many wants, think through it twice. And I loved a quote I saw recently, and I believe it was from Jelly Roll's speech, when he just said, there's a reason the rear view mirror is so much smaller than the windshield. And I'll leave you with that. A little update for my personal life. I want to give you the business side of this mayhem, right? You might follow me on Instagram and you might say, Jason, you've been just going, going, going. But here's the business side, right? So I was in New York for four days, had one brand deal in which I had to be there, knocked out about six podcasts, met with a few different agencies and a few different talent, and then also met with my business partner. We then flew to Buffalo because I had a partnership with Screwball Whiskey, which required me to actually be at the game. What a dream, right? A dream to be working with a company I love and then be at the game and be paid for. How cool is that? To me, that's a dream. And then on Tuesday for another deliverable, I had to be at an event in Vegas at 11 a.m. It was part of delivery. So I had to leave from Buffalo Monday night, uh, got home around 2 a.m. Flight was at 5 a.m. And had to be at this event at 11 a.m. in Vegas from Buffalo to Las Vegas. That was for the Netflix Cup with Nespresso. Two incredible companies that I'm so honored that I got to work with. And I got to meet so many different executives at Netflix through this partnership. And again, getting paid to be part of this golf tournament, to be drinking the best coffee in the world, and to be doing social media with it. That's one of the reasons why I push everyone to say, hey, give it a shot. You got an idea out there on social media? You got an idea? give it a chance because there's so much cool that comes with it. Obviously, there's a lot of headaches that you guys hear about. And then the last part of the partnership was with Salesforce.com and Formula One Racing. Again, what an absolute honor. Only 1% of F1 fans get the chance to go to a live event. And I got to go to the live event, post about the live event, meet Salesforce executives, and be in places I never could have imagined being all with the company. And this is what I'm also seeing right now, seeing a lot of this in the social media space where they're connecting deliverables uh, to appearances and content creation. So that's part of all the reason I was on. So while I had a lot of fun the past week and a half, it was a shit ton of work. And I know it's hard to connect the two, but it was. It was an honor. I feel so fortunate. And the last thing I just want to say is thank you to you guys. Every place I went, someone came up. And the first time, the first thing every person said to me, it wasn't The Bachelor. It wasn't How Are the Dogs, which I do love that. It wasn't How Are You Doing After Your Last Relationship. It was about the podcast. I can't tell you what it means to me when I have people come up and say, you're making an impact on what I do and how I do it. And also provide feedback, which I've gotten a lot of too. So thank you. I love you guys. Go Money Mafia. Let's ring in the bell with the one and only, Carrot Top. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, I am joined by world-renowned actor and stand-up comedian who has been making audiences around the world laugh for almost four damn decades, mm, Scott yeah. Carrot Top Thompson. Scott's comedy career and Carrot Top persona quickly became well-known for his three trademarks, red hair, 
performing hilarious prop comedy acts, and, of course, his tiny shorts. His oh, com- you what? like that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, you didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we, yeah we found oh, that. Oh, man. At least our writers came <laughs> up with it. His comedic <laughs> skill set earned him acting jobs across film and television for the better part of 25 years. Named Comedian of the Year and Performer of the Year are both some of his more notable accomplishments. However, one of Scott's most impressive career marks from his longstanding residency in Las Vegas 17 plus years performing at Luxor, 10 years at MGM before that, and a year at Bailey's. I mean, it's unbelievable what you've done, Scott. We are so excited to have you on Trading Secrets, our first Thank comedian. You. I don't think anyone believed any of that, but yes, it's all true. It's all true. <laughs> I will tell you, this was like two pages. And I had to yeah, cut it down because yeah. your resume oh, is like oh, ridiculously thank you. stacked. Yeah. Well, I'm old. That's what happens when you're old. You have a longer resume. It yeah, doesn't like, really mean what? it's impressive. It just means you have know, But also, longer. like, what? Like, if you yeah. look at entertainment and media, what yeah. under the sun haven't you done? You've done commercials, you've done Jay Leno, you've done acting, you've done comedian, you've done Las Vegas residencies, anything under media and entertainment, I think you've checked the box. Uh, Yeah, it has been fun. I've been, I've been lucky to kind of tackle a little bit, not, not a lot of everything, but a little bit of everything, you know, with movies, a couple movies, three, four, you know, been in some other movies, uh, sitcoms I've been part of, I never had my own, but cameos and whatnot. So it's fun to see the, the, the different formats of performing. I still think stand-up is probably my favorite only because I, I think I know more about that than anything else. And, you, you know, not that I know anything, but I'm saying, you know, that's your comfort. You know, you get that instant feedback. You know, if something's funny immediately in a movie, if a film, you don't know for, could be years, you know, you film it on set, no one's allowed to laugh. And then it comes out and you're like, wow, that's really funny. So it's a different format, different style of, uh, of inter- uh, you know, performing in front of a camera in front of a crew that can't laugh so other than stand-up of all those different avenues and things you've touched in your career what would you say you've had the most fun with well doing the movie stuff is fun because it's out of my element so you know i have to play carrot top in the film uh when nicholas cage one time said that it was the hardest thing in the world when they said we're doing a film it's about you you have to play you and he said this is the hardest thing ever because i have to play me and who who are you like he's yeah. used to playing a character you know i'm going to be this this drunk guy or i'm going to be this accountant i'm going to be this lawyer yeah well, most movies i've done with the exception of maybe a few that i've done recently where i got to play someone outside myself and that's fun because you're not being carrot top you're being this crazy killer or whatever and so it's fun who are you that's a comment i'm batman <laughs> well you that's a comment you just said who are you yeah. and i think about just your career your direction your yeah, brand yeah. you've had no choice really but to like stay in your lane you've had to remain Uh consistent and it's been so successful doing so at any point throughout your career have you started to think there's another identity like i have that i want to step oh absolutely but i can't there's always a blessing and a curse you know the the day i named myself carrot top was like oh this is good and then it was like carrot top and then you know you're stuck and then you're in this like you said your lane so you're this character you're this person um I even had a lady at my show the other night. I was going through the crowd doing my whatever. And she said, I like your old wig better. And I just thought it was brilliant because I'm like, well, I have an old wig. And she goes, yeah, I don't like this new wig. The old wig was better. I'm like, well, first of all, it's not a wig, but she liked my old look better. I don't know. So uh, it's a brand. Yeah. You know, that's, that's how it all started. I was a marketing major. And uh, somehow, of course, you, you get a degree in marketing and you go right into comedy. That's, you know, natural. But that was kind of like, I, you know, people always made a joke like, oh, what a waste of time doing a marketing career because you didn't use it. And I'm like, You've actually, well, once I realized that I had, because when I, when I first started doing comedy, there would be 100 comics going on stage. And I could have been the 50th or whatever comic going up. And most comics, I mean, pretty much all of them were just stand-up monologists with a mic. And when I came up, it was like... 
you know, props and, and whatnot, but I had my prop trunk behind me for about, so I remember one night I was doing my show and I remember I had my prop trunk and it was just a black lid in the back. Sure. I put like a fur in there, like a fun pink fur or something. And then it dawned on me, oh, I should put carrot top in the lid of it. Genius. Well, it is now thinking about, cause I thought, Hey, if they're going to stare at me the whole night, they're going to see carrot top the whole time. So my, my name literally is, is behind me the whole show. So at the end of the night, when people would say, hey, who'd you see tonight? They said, well, we saw this guy carrot top. Cause it was in their face. It was like the name of the club Zanies, you know, behind them, a brick Zanies, wall. Yeah. So it was kind of smart in a sense. I didn't really, I just kind of thought, Hey, it's marketing. And that was kind of the first idea of getting, you know, branding and the name. And the, it, was, it wasn't my normal Scott Thompson. So I went, oh, I need, I can't use Queen Latifah. It's been taken. So I got to find something, something fun. <laughs> yeah, Queen Latifah. So I figured, so I just, I, someone, you know, I thought Caratop. I don't know how. I was in my dorm and I just thought Caratop. That's kind of stagey and fun. And I drew a logo and that was my first joke in my show was I had a logo before I had an act, which is actually kind of true. It's interesting because even like this show, we've had some really cool people on like Rob Gronkowski and A-Rod, some yeah. of the people from Vanderpump, the sharks from Shark Tank. Yeah. I almost always have to tell people who are having on and I'll have some of my friends or family say, who is that? Interestingly enough, when I say Carrot Top, there is not one person that didn't know Oh. Carrot Top is. You are oh, such a good. household you name. Yeah, you know, that's good. What do they call and, that? There's a the thing they used to call that. We're going to go out and see how your your QI or IQ, your Q Q rating. Yeah, your Q it's called rating. a Q rating. Was, yeah. yeah, and they and based on like we had a yeah we had a bet years and years ago. This is like thirty years ago. I was in LA and we were trying to pitch something. I don't know what it was, and this this guy was very big time. And my manager agent at the time was was with me. He was my manager, and he yeah. was he was going on and just building me up. And this guy Kiritov, he sells out theaters, and he he's been he's great. And this guy was just like, I don't, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be rude, but I have no idea who you are. And I said, you know, I I, I don't blame you because you know why would he know who I am unless you went into the south or went into the Midwest? So my manager of all things was very ballsy. He said, I'll tell you what, if we leave your your office and walk down the elevator and go down to Robertson Street, right there in West Hollywood. If someone doesn't say Carrot Top within five minutes, whatever, they made a bet. Yeah. And I said, I'm looking at my, you idiot. <laughs> you know, it's LA. They might not know who I am, but if it was in Charlotte, they might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went down to the, ele- before even the elevator opened, some guy's like, Carrot Top. And the guy's like, no way. Like, wow. it was just, it was good. So it was a cute, I found out, you have a big high Q rating. So, yeah. The Q rating. Stay tuned yeah. to the recap. We'll break yeah, down good. what yeah. the Again, Q rating it's is. It's been fun uh, being able to do this all these years and still have people yeah. enjoy it. So. And I think some of the stuff, doing some research here, you're inducted to the Las Vegas Magazine's 12-member Hall of Fame. That was in 2020. Oh, now, guys, listen back home to these names. <laughs> Absinthe, Barry Manilow, Cirque de Soleil, The Coliseum, which is literally at Caesars Palace, David Copperfield, The Fountains of Bellagio, Tau Nightclub, Bistro at the Vene- Venetian, Vegas Knights, who just won the Stanley Cup, Wayne Newton, Wolfgang Puck. You are one of like four actually individuals on this Hall of Fame. The most list. impressive is I was in the same group, grouping with the ma- the fountains of Bellagio. I the think fountains that's the best part. of Bellagio. You and the fountains made that's it. You and a cool. you and a water system are very well known. That's so great. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. What did they do? They did nothing. They just turned on a faucet. But that's great. It's yeah. good to be in that. It's good to be in that grouping. I yeah, love that. The when Bellagio water fountains. <laughs> when you're, isn't that amazing? <laughs> yes. When you're in that grouping though, and you got like Wayne Newton in there, yeah. Barry Manilow. You know, are these people that you're building relationships? 
relationships with you're collaborating with on business strategy, just yeah. other things, sure. or, or do you guys not really connect? No, I know all these ones you've, you've mentioned. I'm, I would say I'm best friends, but we know each other. We all wouldn't say we hang out, but we very, very social. Yeah. But when I was very, when I was very young, I think I was 13 or so, I came to Vegas with a friend and we went to see Rich Little and Rich Little's opening act was Charo. And I remember sitting in the crowd, 13 years old, like, oh my God, this is just, it was bigger than life. It was like, wow. And so then, then I'm sitting, you know, next to Wayne Newton at a, a Knights game. And I, I just, one of those things you just kind of go, oh my God, this is like, Newton. like, it's, I, like it's cool. So it's, it's a cool thing to be able to, you know, get to know these people that, you know, loved your whole life and, and, and worshiped in a sense in a, you know, of, of entertainment. And those guys, same thing. I mean, you know, Barry, those guys have been doing it for a lot of years. So. Those those are those are great moments when you when you think back when it gets to be like you know I'll be up in forty years in comedy it's kind of this cool you know you've lasted this long and stayed somewhat relevant and so keep the show fresh and fun you'll see that I think you guys are coming tonight you'll coming see tonight. you'll see there's jokes about the the you know the night's parade already we haven't even done it but there'll be yeah. jokes about the parade or or Trump's indictments you know whatever there'll, there'll be a whole <laughs> bunch of those things so. I love it I love it you're staying with the time greatest set. comedian by the way in the world just ask me I'm the greatest comedian. <laughs> It's the I worst Trump impression ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, Remember you drank his water? Okay. Yeah. Oh, that was good. That was good. That, that was, was the good. best one. We did. <laughs> Getting it dialed in. So one of the most successful residencies, though, in the history of, when I was doing some research of Vegas, was Elvis Presley. 636 consecutive shows, right? This is from 1969 to 1976. I look at some of your stats, though, and I see that you're doing six shows per week, one week off per month. I do the math. That's at least estimating about 18 shows a month times 12, 18 years, almost 18 years. That's over 4,000 shows just in your Luxor Right, sure, contract. Sure, sure. I mean, when you look back at when you were first making this decision, I saw in an interview you said you actually almost turned down the residency because you were a road guy. Mm, that is true. How unbelievable or surprising is it to you that all these years later you have all these shows under your belt and it's something you almost turned down? Uh, yeah, that's that's a true story. I was always a road guy doing theaters and doing you know on the tour bus and doing what you do. And we would do in and out with Vegas at the MGM and Bally's and that whatnot. And it was always an interesting, Vegas was just an interesting market. You know, I, I, would, I would be in, you know, college campuses or wherever, you know, people in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they top shirts. And you come to Vegas, it was a totally different thing. It was not, it wasn't that they weren't fans. It was just wasn't the energy and wasn't the same thing as you would get you know, in Charlotte or Raleigh or wherever. So I would do it. And I was like, God, Vegas is like the real deal. Vegas is like really pushed you to your limits to figure out what you're doing up there. And uh, I think up to last night, I haven't figured it. I think last <laughs> night, I figured, I'm not making this up. I, I've always it was the, it, I just I was terrified uh, uh, when I first started doing Vegas, and that's how the whole show became production oriented. Because when I was at Bally's, there was just a huge stage, huge. 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 And then it was just uh, <laughs> me and like three prop trunks. And I thought, I don't know why, but like, you know, George Crown would stand there in the middle of the stage and with a microphone and tell jokes. But for some reason, it just didn't feel right to me. I needed to have like a set. I needed things behind me. So I, I got like tapestries and tables and uh, lava lamps and couches and rugs. And I just made like this set in a sense. So I felt like I was, you know, in my, my, my dorm or whatever. And it was a cool little setting, and then I felt a little better. But that's when I first started to try to think of a bigger scale because uh, it didn't work in 
so much in Vegas, Vegas and they asked me to do the the residency at the Luxor. I said, yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate it, but no, no, I really don't want to do it. I'm a road guy. And, da, da, da. and then the president of the Luxor at that time called me. I remember getting on a plane. This is not a joke. I'm like boarding and I said, you know, I don't know the number. And I, I picked up and it was Felix Rappaport and Felix said, Scotty, and I never met him in person. And he says, Felix. And I said, yeah, he says, uh, you know, you're taking this gig, right? And I said, you know, I'm getting on a plane. I'll call you when I land. And he says, there's no time for me to take it now. I'm not going to wait for you to land. You're going to take this gig, right? Wow. And I was like, I don't know if I'm the guy. Like, he's like, you know, Rita Rudner did it for the, you're, you're, you're the guy. I need an answer. And I'm like, let me take him off. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, I guess. And I reluctantly said yes and got on the plane and we did it. We did like a, wow. we did a couple months and we got through the, whatever it was. And it was really tough. And then all of a sudden, it was just one day, I thought, you know, this is, this is fun. And then it was two years, and then all of a sudden, we were three years. And then I was like, I really like this gig. So now I'm like, can I get an extension for like another, you know? So, <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> yeah, so now, I, I keep, now I'm praying for extensions. You know, I love staying in Vegas. I don't want to go on the road. I'm not a road guy. I'm not a bus guy. So uh, it's, a very, it's a very cool gig. Let and, me ask you this, though. Road comedy versus having uh, a Luxor residency, which paid more and how dramatically different was it? Well, I think the pay is going to be a little different on some kinds of road shows because the, 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 the number of seats that are out there in the road okay. shows, you might get paid more to do a show on the road somewhere. Are comedians for a typically one night. paid like that? Are you paid by the yeah. seat or are you paid a fee for that? Uh, some, sometimes it's fees and sometimes it's. Uh, what you sell okay. yeah vegas here in vegas i get paid for what i sell so i get each oh, night interesting yeah each okay. night yeah i don't get like i don't get the deal where you get oh, a 10 million deal for yeah i've always i haven't had one of those deals interesting we call it a four wall where i basically run the show we run the show so the luxor really doesn't have a lot of they don't own any part of it so it's really my show we just rent out the four walls that's why they call it a four wall two walls when oh, they kind of cool. split it with the that. other hotel so there's a two wall they split the the the, the cost with the entertainer so they do a two wall i always have done a four wall which is also interesting because fellow comedians of mine are like that's really risky and i always said you know i'm going off my name i'm going off you know i'm going off with this is all i've ever done i never have done a thing where i split the the, the cost with anybody and on the road shows yeah you'd get like a, a set fee for doing a, okay. a show and then they figured out all the other stuff break this down though for me so just so i can understand four wall yeah means so you all own you're actually doing is renting this in a sense yeah in a sense yeah like a i mean they're still giving me the residence the space to do it so they could at any time say we don't want you there anymore and then so okay. then you lose you lose the you know the, gi- the 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 gig and the residency at the Luxor. So in a sense, they they are definitely part of it at that level, but they're not financially. We we own the show, but they of course have a lot of okay. So then you yeah. would get then this split of ticket sales, merch, revenue, like even food and beverage. Do you no? Like, we you don't running, like your own no. We don't get the. Stuff? I wish we had food and beverage. That'd be we've nice, tried. Right? <laughs> we've tried. We've tried. Yeah, yeah well, I was one of the first comics that sold T-shirts, and uh, people were uh, like. What? And I'm like, I gotta sell, you know, I wanna sell some Carrot Top t shirts. And so, again, it was all marketing and adding Carrot Top t shirt, and people would love them. And so, Rodney Dangerfield, this is not a joke, Rodney Dangerfield at MGM, Dave, when I was finishing my run, and he came in with his wife, and there was my merchandise counter outside, and he says, 
Oh, you selling T-shirts down there? And I said, Yeah. I said, Worst Rodney Dangerfield impression, by the way. Are you selling T-shirts? And I said, Yeah. I said, You don't tell. You don't sell merchandise. He's like, His wife's like, No. I said, You don't sell like a red tie, like no respect. He would have killed. And it. oh well, he finally he did. He started selling red ties and t- But I thought that was amazing. I thought, How did no one else would thought that you know nowadays you go to a comedy show, everyone oh, sells records and albums and T-shirts. You know, but I was one of the very first that that, that thought of selling a. Uh, and the comedy clubs did, just didn't understand it. And I would set up a table. And I'd sell more, I'd make more money in the sales of my t-shirts than I did doing my jokes until they got wind of that. And then they're like, we want a percentage of it. And I said, no. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, we have to get a percentage where you're making all this money. I'm like, yeah, but it's my, it's my t-shirt. So That's that kind of got cool. a little tricky. Yeah. So I think if you, any show you go to, I'm sure even Aerosmith probably has some kind of deal where they get, they have to split it with the venue and the whatnot, a certain percentage. I'm not sure. When you think about merch versus ticket sales, would you say that they're pretty close? When you look well, at like the rock and roll or? bands make make like a t- Taylor often. Swift probably makes more money on her merchandise than she. Well, I wouldn't say more than her show, but she makes pretty a pretty close, good penny. Right? Sure, sure, yeah. Merchandise with certain uh, artists are it's unreal. What Interesting. They get, what they get when you're comparing because these are times I'm so intrigued. Four wall versus two wall. Mm. What like percentage split? How would it be different if you're fifty fifty? Yeah. Too? So two wall would be fifty fifty, mm-hmm. and then four wall would be a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, gotcha. Looking back at your twenty, and I suck at math. I figured that one out. That was pretty quick. Yeah, it was quick. <laughs> we got a Roger Dangerfield impression. <laughs> yeah, got I got a horrible Trump Rodney. impression. You got a Trump I got impression. Karen, yeah. doing numbers and math <laughs> equations. I mean, holy smokes, this is uh, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. When you look back at your residency with yeah. Luxor, would you have structured it differently? Or are you happy with the way? This no, is I'm done? happy. Lovely. Yeah, I wouldn't have changed a thing. No, got it. That's awesome. I mean, I would have started with you and say, can I have like 20, 35 years straight without having to re- renegotiate? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. But no, it's always fun to, you know, I think the hotel's happy and I think that, you know, I've, I've been here so long. It's fun to be part of the history of Vegas. You know, it's, I'd hope I, this is where I end it all, which is funny because back in the day, uh, not that long ago in the day, Vegas was always considered to be the place where people went to kind of to die and kind of like, oh, you're playing Vegas. It was kind of looked down, not down upon, but yeah. you know what I mean? It's like if Branson was, oh, sure. you're playing, oh, you're not, you're not able to do anywhere else, just Vegas. And now you got Elton John. To, you know, every, it's everyone, changed every, drastically. It's the place you, to go now, right, right? Right. So now it's, it's, it's it, I've seen it go from that, you know, that to where it's at now. So we've been through that whole change of, of, of how, how now it's cool to have a residency in Vegas. It's like cool to be the guy here. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right. When you think about all the shows that you've done at Luxor and and how crazy Vegas could be while we're still on the topic, do you have one show where things just got like a story that was just so memorable, got out of hand, one bachelorette party just screaming Well, yeah, there's there's been hundreds. Like what's the most memorable show you've done in your residence? We've had shows that have been memorable and we've had had tours that have been memorable. The one we just had was was, uh, Tahoe. So we had done Palm Springs great crowd next night we did like i don't know where in somewhere in indio near there near palm Springs, and then on our tour we're going to tahoe so it was like you know gorgeous beautiful palm springs we look at the map it's like oh wow it's like a blizzard oh we we got this <laughs> so we took off in the bus that night and uh i don't know what was it nine o'clock at night when yeah. the uh the show was supposed to start. We're still on the bus driving in the snow. Okay. Not just driving, we're sliding and we're not. We're, it, so we, we, of course, couldn't make the show. So it was horrible because I don't think the logistics of that was a very smart idea. Like, yeah. you know, let's go to Tahoe, let's in, do Tahoe. In, in like January when there's a blizzard. So um, it's happened a few times. I guess, you know, everybody, Chris Rock and Bill Maher turns it all down. Of course, Karen Tahoe, I'll, I'll do the blizzard show. But uh, we've, had, we've had shows that uh, have been, yeah, I mean, my God, 
we had one probably 30 years ago. I was doing a show on uh, Valentine's Day in Iowa. Nice big theater, I think 3,000 people. And okay. I used to do a thing where I'd, drink, I'd bring a guy and who wants to race a beer with me. I was, you know, I was young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wants to race down. a beer, chug a beer, right? So I'd, I'd randomly pick some guy or a girl, whoever it was, that wanted to, so exciting to do it. And I'd come up and I'd say, oh, we're going to race this beer. And I had a little cooler and I'd pull the beer out and give him the beer. And we'd, it was a whole shtick, you know. Yeah, yeah. It went on forever. And then I said, we're going to do this. Are you ready on three? And so, and then I would have an egg, like Rocky, because this is when Rocky was out, yeah. you know, the Rocky 10, 12, whatever movie was out at that yeah. time. <laughs> Sylvester <laughs> and I are actually good friends. I feel mad ripping up, but that's whatever that's Rocky movie it was. And so I pull an egg out and I give the guy an egg and they were like, what's, you know, and the Rocky music come, dum, 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 and I said, let's go, you know, money. and we're doing, when we'd shoot the egg and then we'd slam the beer. So I, you know, of course I'd always slam the egg and they'd slam the egg and then I'd, I'd spit mine back. What are you crazy? <laughs> and so they would, and so this guy's like, right, right when he slammed me, he just, he, he's just already green. Yeah. And I'm, I haven't even done the beer yet. So I go to take a sip of the beer and I'm like, and he would just like, just project all, all over. Not, not, only, not only the stuff, my oh, carpet rug God. into the, I was, I had the cooler. Thank God I picked up the cooler and was trying to, you know, get most of it. And it's Valentine's. Oh, and now the whole crowd's, God. what do you call that? Where they're all throwing up. So yeah, it went from, yeah, you know, like myriad. Yeah, behavior. yes. And so there you, you hear people, oh, and it's Valentine's Day. I'm like, oh my God. So, so no one's getting laid tonight. No, no, I mean, <laughs> nobody. No one's in a mood to have sex, covered in throw up. I had to finish the show covered in vomit. It was, uh, it was, a, it was an interesting night. Well, that's a doozy. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. And I just kept going. We had one where it rained in the, in the theater. How's that happen? Well, there's a pipe leak at the Luxor, and uh, <laughs> oh, I, was, I, I kept hearing this for a while. It was just exactly that noise, right? But it was like doom, and I was like, what is that? And then, you know, one hit me on the head, and then I was like, was it, was it raining? <laughs> and I looked up, and I said, oh, shit, there's like a, this what the, f-? but then it went like, it started, you know, and then it was just pouring. Yeah. So all my prop trunks were just, so the, the people come out with towels, and then they moved the, the and I was on my scooter, because I'd broken my leg snowboarding, because I, because I, I look like Sean White, but I'm not as talented as Sean White. <laughs> and so I'm on my, I think I was on my knee scooter doing my show on a scooter for six months because I had broke my leg. And so it was already rough and I'm on this, and it's pouring down rain and I'm on this, I'm already wiped out on the scooter many times. And then the trunks are being just, just downpoured. And I don't, I'm thinking, hey, this is, you know, it's comedy, show, show must go on. So I just keep going and it's pouring. I mean, literally I'm saying, if you've never seen the O show at the Bellagio, look at this free show. And I look over my, and my guy's like, you know, stop the show, quit the show. And I'm like, no, we're, we're, we're it's just fun. Time. What we're having, and it's so funny, and it's so weird. But at the end, he's like, dude, there could have been like a fire, it's water and you have electronics. And I'm like, I'm not that bright. I don't think that way. I just think, oh, I'm doing my show. But you're right. I should have thought, this is probably not, it's probably dangerous. I should probably shut the show down. But we just did the whole show. It was pouring down rain. Did the whole show like it was nothing. We are all our own business. But if you run small businesses, I want you to listen up, especially if you make over $80,000. This is a perfect solution for you. It is called Collective. So what will Collective do? They will help you because we all need CPAs, bookkeepers, separate payroll solutions, etc. There's a lot of paperwork with all of that. If you're running a business, you're wearing many hats with the day-to-day. With Collective, bookkeeping and accounting don't need to be one of them. So right now, Collective is offering one month free 
and no onboarding fee when you go to collective.com slash trading secrets and tell them trading secrets sent you join the thousands of solopreneurs who have saved an average of ten thousand dollars per year on taxes with their structure this right here this value of one month free is a 550 dollars value and no onboarding fee so what you have to do is go to collective.com slash trading secrets and tell them trading secrets sent you that's collective.com slash trading secrets and tell them trading secrets sent you Dumb finance question. If you're yeah. managing on the four walls thing, yeah, back the show to the four cancels, wall thing. He likes this four, four wall walls. thing. No, but you, but then you have to cancel the show because of weather. Who takes the liability of that? Do you like? Do you still get the ticket sales? You're looking at them. Yeah. Oh no, I eat, God, I eat, I eat shit wild. when that happens. Yeah. That's no, I eat all the yeah, and the stagehands and my crew, everything. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, let me ask you about. But that. that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That, so another downside of doing that, that is that yeah. So if it's not a show, then I'm I'm okay. Yeah. So you've mentioned uh, Sylvester Stallone, Chris Rock. I know you're friends with Jay Leno. All the oh, big that's a great guy. That's a great oh. guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's gonna do your socks, you know. Yeah. I can't tell you. <laughs> Chappelle, I know he's about yours. So, great guy. Yeah, so yeah. you're friends with so many of the greats. Yeah. Who of all the professionals you've seen in this space have you been most impressed with, and why? Wow. Well, I mean, of course, stand-up comics. I mean, you know, George Carlin, I was on the side of the stage watching. I got to see Richard Pryor perform. There's the moments where you're kind of just in awe and just mouth-dropping, especially, you know, definitely legends, people like that, where you just can't believe you're even in that. I saw Billy Crystal one time in New York City, and, and, and uh, you know, I knew Billy I met him a few times, and I know Billy Crystal, but I'd, I'd never seen him do this one-man show called 57 Sundays or something with his father. It was the most moving thing I've ever sat through in my life. It was on Broadway, and it was like an hour and a half where you're just, you're laughing till you can't laugh anymore, and then you're crying, like full-on crying. Like all the emotions. And then they take an uh, intermission. And then he comes back out and does another hour and a half, and you're you're laughing and crying. You're so exhausted at the end of it that you just. I remember saying to my girlfriends, I said, "I'm getting out of this. I'm not even in this business. Like I'm not a. I'm not. I'm not even qualified to say that I'm in this business." <laughs> it was mouth dropping. And then at the end of the show, there, all the whole thing I cared about. I really want to say hi to him. I hope I can say hi to him. And the lady came over and said, "Just at the end of the show, just stand by this door." And I was like, "Oh my god!" And he couldn't. Have, he didn't have to say hi to me, you know. And he, the only one he brought me back, and he was like, "Same as any comic, you know. Eh, you know, I'm doing it tomorrow if you want." I said, "Don't stop!" Like it's the. It was the best thing I've ever seen. And he was like, eh, "His tail between his legs." Like yeah, wow. it was okay. It, was, it could have been better. Yeah. I'm like, I you can't cry anymore. Like, stop with all the crying thing. Like, everyone was crying. My my eyeliner was running. I, it was horrible. Yeah, but uh, it was it was the most brilliant show I think I've seen uh, in a long time. Yeah, Billy Crystal. What a what a brilliant brilliant mind. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think that a lot of people, especially back home, listening in their careers, regardless of what it is, might have similar moments where they're doing unbelievable work, but sure. they don't feel good about it. They're sure. trying to find that fulfillment. They're trying to find that confidence. Have you ever gone through a period where you've looked at your career, your performance, and said it wasn't good enough, but the whole outside world thought it was. And what advice would you give for those? Besides, people? on the way here, yes, I was thinking <laughs> this exact thing. No, I had a, I just had a discussion with my friend today at lunch. That didn't know that I didn't, I that I had that. Oh, you've always been. You know, no, I did not. I, I, I started in comedy and I didn't do well, and I got out of it because I couldn't figure out how to get enough bookings. How long a period was that before you dipped out? Uh, it was about a over a year. Wow, 
And so I was shucking oysters, and this is a weird, uh, again, this is, these are all things in life that you just think happens for reasons. I was shucking oysters and bartending, and that's where I came up with this whole end of my show, I, where I did this dance around the music, it's like a montage of rock and roll and whatever. And I did that behind the bar, you know, just bartending. I would, I would do like Aerosmith and Mick Jagger and Michael Jackson, and uh, when I put the show together, you know, 40 years ago, I thought, oh, I need to have like this rock and roll feel to it. I need to have like this element of rock. So it came from being a bartender and an oyster shucker, but I was doing that one night and this, these two couples came in and I was making them oysters and they're like looking at me and they're laughing and they're like, Do you, you must have a twin. I said, God forbid, the twin. <laughs> Jesus, we'll end it now. The world is And they said, yeah, please tell me there's not a twin of me somewhere. And they said, no, like literally like spitting image twin. And uh, they said, he's a comedian because by Carrot Top, we saw him in Tampa. And I was like, oh, wow, no, I never heard of him. And I remember that that, that moment, I thought, wow, I, I must have done okay. And then it was not even that long after that, my, my best friend who booked comedy clubs said, I need you to perform. And I said, I'm, I'm shucking oysters. I'm not a comedian. And he was like, you're what? Like for, a, like for a joke or you're doing, like when are you doing, are you open on New Year's Eve? And I said, no, I'm, I'm working at this bar shucking oysters. He's like, you're fucking Carrot Top. What are you talking about? I said, no, I'm not. I'm, a, I'm, oyster, I'm an oyster shucker now. And he said, you're out of your mind. You have, to, you have to do this show. And I said, I haven't performed in over a year and a half. I'm not, especially New Year's Eve. I mean, actually looking back, it probably would have been the easiest gig to do because no one's listening. They're just doing party favors. <laughs> so I took the gig and my, my own mother said, I'm going to see this show. I said, no, 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 God, I don't need you to come to my first yeah, show yeah. back. In the, and it went, you know, I guess, okay. And then I never got out of it again. But there was wow. that, that period where I, you know, I lived in an apartment with four guys and we scavenge up money to go to a dollar movie night across the street and we'd play tennis and smoke weed and yeah that was it that's awesome i when you google like back then i don't smoke weed anymore back then, yeah. Yeah, don't kids not good don't do it it's yeah. <laughs> I, think I, I think i had an edible last night nice. uh, <laughs> when you google like your wealth you've amazed, at least on google, well that's yeah it says you've amassed a lot yeah, we can yeah, get in yeah. that before we do this is a tough career that you said that you almost got out of and had to shuck oysters yeah what is your relationship with money? Was there almost like a time where you didn't pursue this because of money? Are you motivated by money? Like, what's your relationship I with money? I am well known in the comedy world, of at least people that worked with me back in the day, I would never pick up my check. Interesting. I have friends that would validate this. I would do my show and I would leave and they'd say, did you get your check? Did they take out percentages? And I was like, I didn't even pick up my check. And I never I'd get it, but I would. I wasn't the guy. That I just. I just loved doing the show. I loved doing the show, and I and I knew I was going to get paid. But I did mail it to me. But I never was the guy that. I mean, unless they were paying me cash, which is under the table. Under the table, table, no cash. Um, they would do. There was clubs that would do that too. Here's your money. And so you go. Cigarette. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You did good, kid. I would never take my money. I would always. So, so yeah, I swear. People remember that. They say, "What the?" F-? And I just, I, I always get wrapped up in the moment of being in this career. And I, I, but you know, of course, now I pick up my money. Now there was a, a guy that I worked with, uh, and I think he's still alive. And what a funny guy in the south is. It was James Gregory, and I used to. He was just. He would sell out these like weekends. And he had me open for him, and it was like a big honor to open for him because it was packed. It was, and he was so funny. And at the end of the night, I had done the weekend. It was like a Friday, Saturday. It was like two shows on Friday, two on Saturday. And we were in the lobby, and he walked out. This is not a joke. He walked out with this like bat, like a an actual pillowcase. So I, and he's a big, 
fat guy with a beard. So I said, oh, fuck, Santa. You know, I'm making a joke. Like, oh, Santa, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, what's in your bag, Santa? And he's like, uh, what's in my bag? It's, it's, it's cash, Kenneth. Huh? That's how exactly how we talk. And I said, cash? Yeah, it's not cash. And he said, no, it's, it's cash. It's almost like my Jen Lewis has impression of him. And I said, uh, that's honestly, he says, yeah, yeah. You, when you get big enough, you, you tell him to pay in cash. And I never forgot that. I was like, I'm holding my, I had this little check and they took out all this stuff. I don't know what it was. They took out like half of it. Took it out. I mean, for things. And I remember thinking, I made like, after all these shows, I had like 150 bucks, which was huge back then. Yeah. You know, I'm like, God, I got 150 bucks for a whole weekend. This is amazing. And uh, he had like, you know, 10 grand in in cash in a pillowcase and he just throw it in his car and took us all to Denny's and we, we uh, yeah. he would he would take us all to dinner. But I never forget that. I was like, I, one day I'm going to get paid in, in cash in a big sack and just walk out with it. <laughs> that might have to be a proper year. It's just yeah. a big Santa sack. He'd always do that. We'd go to Denny's and he'd say, he said, oh, what's, your, what's your name? And they'd say, Tina. Sarah, can I get the potatoes? He'd always do that same fucking joke every <laughs> night. What's your name, Tina? Barbara, can I get that? Yeah. <laughs> one, of the thing, one of the things you mentioned is you look at your check and half of it's gone. Yeah. Over your career. You it's called the IRS. It's called the IRS, by the way. But also, when you when you look at a lot of massive figures who are just pursuing their passion and really don't pay attention to dollars and cents, they have stories that at some point they were taken advantage of, or they lost money on a transaction because they invested in something sure. they shouldn't have. Do you have any stories like that when you look back at your career, a moment you're taking advantage of, or invested in something you shouldn't have, like a lesson I've been learned? Very for money? lucky that I've not done that yet. I've had people that have been inv- that invested in things that were a, a full thing, you know. I mean, a full no brainer, go go. It's all going to be great, you know. There's no downside to it all. I've lived, I guess, maybe because I, I I grew up no money, and I and, I, and when I got a little money, I still did, I still don't gamble. I still don't go to uh-huh. gamble. I don't. I just it's not my thing. It's not yeah. my cards. I don't do much investing uh, outside of. I'm a very very. Uh, I'm like conservative. Yeah. A very yeah. I just don't. I don't understand it yeah. as much as I don't really wouldn't do it. I just don't understand it. So I've I've been lucky not to get in too many things. Now I've had some some things in the past with um other people that i've worked with that i've had to that, that, that went south but that everyone, everyone in this in this business is sure, a day where you sure. had to, you know but that's you know, part of the job that's cool how about this what is one thing you spend maybe you look at it you spend a little too much money on but you won't stop spending like it's a convenience or it's God, something you buy t-shirts I mean, I don't, I honestly don't, no, I'm not <laughs> making my guy. No, I don't buy, I don't have any jewelry. I have a cock ring on that's very nice. <laughs> it's a very, but it's the, not, it's a Rolex It's a, it's still, Maybe it's that could still, be your next product yeah. brand you drop. Yeah, carrot, sell it, cock it. rings, yeah. Just go in Vegas, you'll sell yeah. it every oh, show. Yeah, every night. Like your manager's about the, to put the, that together right rings. now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I've, I've been one of the, again, one of those guys, I never, I never, I have one car. I mean, I have one, you know, I have 41 houses though. No, I just have a house, I have a car i don't have any jewelry i don't have watches i don't have i don't have uh, uh once in a while i buy expensive pair like stage i'll buy a pair of balenciagos for my stage yeah um other than that people always say to me like dude you do you're like just like this little hippie dude and i say yeah <laughs> i can't even afford you know to wash my hair it's just uh, <laughs> you know but yeah this is what i did i just not my thing i don't know but thank god i'm not i don't know yeah, I have friends that have like a garage full of cars and yeah. Ferraris and Lamborghinis and whatever. Not as I, 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 but I think it's it's so it's so good to have. There's so many people that look up to you, 
and they can finally look up to someone yeah. that doesn't have to like live their identity through materials, which is very Absolutely. hard to come by these days. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's motivating. Well, you know, I think, you know, I get, and I, I, I now that you get older, you, you, you know, you speak to a lot of young people, and, and when I would speak to, and it still happens to this day, they'll say things to me like, oh my God, I want to be like, I want to be like, I want to be like famous. Yeah. And I always would say, oh, I still say, what do you mean? What do you mean, like famous? And I said, you want to be famous, you know, and be on TV and whatever. I'm like, but okay, but what, but what, what is what is it that you want to do though? You don't you don't just you don't just famous. You're not just a famous person. Do you? What is your craft? What are you? Are you singing? Are you dancing? Are you speaking? Maybe maybe are you? What are you doing to are you know, invest some kind of investment thing? But when they just say famous, they instantly think, oh, you're just you're famous and you're you have a big house and a fancy yeah. car and you, and jewelry and watches and but you don't do anything. You're just famous. You're you, just don't, famous. you don't work. You just click yeah, your you're like, fingers. Yeah, you're going to go to like the Knights game, right? I'm like, no, I have a show. Like, oh, they don't cancel the show because the Knights game? No, they, they, no, they don't. No. Works. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of responsibility that goes in with if you're going to be famous, it's more about the job. It's not being famous. It's silly. I mean, but, yeah. but you don't find out until yeah. you probably are. And then you're like, this is silly. <laughs> that's, what, that's one of the cool things yeah. about, I think, what we've done with this show is all different industries. All and I'm not famous. I'm recognizable in a lineup. That's what I am. I'm not, I'm not famous. <laughs> I'd say you're both. Yeah, they say, I, I, if you didn't do it, you're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If someone recognizes yeah, yeah. you in the lineup, they're yeah, going to pick yeah. you out pretty you're quick. the guy. But one of the things we do is uncover all these industries so people can actually talk about the truth about where it is that they do make money, where they don't, and where all the illusions are, because there are so many out there. I mean, when you Googled your stuff, I'm seeing like 75, 100 million net worth. Are these things realistic? Is it bullshit? Is it like, you know, what would be your advice for people that are stuck in the mirage of Googling what people make and how much they earn, and that's why they're chasing, because they want to be famous? Huh? That could be true. That's all bullshit. I would say first thing done. We did that one night backstage. It was hilarious. Okay. We Googled Carrot Top. This is great. And we did it. And we have it on my Instagram somewhere. I see Carrot Top net worth. And it came up something ridiculous, like $100 yeah. million. And my, my manager's like, $100 million? I said, yeah. And he's like, why are we not getting raises? I said, well, dude, it's not real. <laughs> so then we said, let's Google you. So we we literally, Dan, we, we, we Googled everybody in the crew, like Dan O'Leary. Yeah. And it came up 1.8, you know, sure. whatever, really million. And he's like, oh my God, I'm worth 1.8 million. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's going to be, I don't know how they, <laughs> I don't know I don't know how they came up, up with it. Because you, you can, I, I, it's not real, but God bless them for printing it. I guess it's real. That, the, 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 the fun part about, of course, is, you know, television and the, the, the realism is, so I, I did a, a little episode on, a little episode, it's a nice episode on Hacks, the show's coming out yeah. on HBO. And when I get there, this is, big i mean it's it might be fifty thousand square feet or more all made of stone this big huge house and then uh, i get there and i'm like oh this is supposed to be my house and they're like yeah and they're great and i'm like okay this is this is not going to be good for me after this because everyone that's going to see this episode is going to really honestly think that just like that they're going to think that i live yeah. in this monstrosity of a house made of stone so when that comes out, I just can't wait. Be like, dude, your house is unreal. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's <laughs> TV home. It's not my home. Like, <laughs> you know, the Golden answer. Girls don't live in that house that they shoot in front of. But no. One thing you had mentioned too is people suck at the famous and the rich, and you talked about no, I'm working. You're doing six nights yeah. every single night. 
that first of all it's a grind second of all the lifestyle's got to be kind of wild right like when like during the day you have so much time but then you're up so late i was gonna say like, that's kind of the only is, the only i wouldn't say down the tricky side of being having a show at night every night and as a comic not just is you have to kind of pace yourself as you go during the day because you you have work at night every yeah. night at eight o'clock yeah. and you got to get there at six and a thing and a meet and greet and a sound check and just like anything else so it's really your whole day is gearing up towards your evening at work so you can go to lunch, but you can't. Let's do shots. You know, yeah. well, I can't do a shot. I have a show. Oh, come on. I have to work in a bit. You know, they don't understand that. Like, you're going, if you're going to go to work, right? you're not going to do shots and then go to work, are you? No. I hope not. <laughs> My doctor, we have surgery. One, just one quick. Now we're going to go in and fix his spleen. But uh, yeah, airline pilot. There's always things like that, too. I can have a bad show and everything's going to be okay. Yeah. But you have a doctor or a lawyer that has a bad night. It's not good. So, But there is that, that lifestyle, I guess you'd say, in a sense, where I've done it so long that I, I kind of have, am, let's say, used to it in a sense where I know I have to be ready to go and, you know, focused. And, and kind of like tonight, I've, I've got three or four things that I've never done that I'm going to try to throw in the show and kind of just play with it and see it's fun i'm lucky in that regard because my show is just my show it's not it's not a circ show where everything's rehearsed it has to it's rehearsed but it's not you know it's a it's a big outline and i can kind of dance in and out of it yeah whereas the, you know it would be hard to be in a show where the, it has to be the same 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 every night i'm lucky i can do a, a joke about the nights and i can do a joke about uh, trump or i can do a joke about whatever it is that's going to happen in the next week or two weeks or you know, Aaron Rodgers, whatever, whatever the story is, I can sure. throw it in there. Adjust it to like and then what's people, relevant today. A lot of people, which I think is fun, is they, they, they notice that and they'll say like, wow, the show's really current. Yeah. Which is the best compliment you can ever get. A comic, I think, is when they say, wow, your, your stuff's really kind of on point, on current. You're not talking about Nixon, you know? Right. <laughs> That's, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes a good point. I want to talk a little bit about storytelling. I think people, whether they're selling back at home or they're a CPA or they are a teacher, whatever they are, everyone has to be able to adjust their storytelling. Maybe it's an interview. As a comedian, your storytelling is just, it's one of the best in the world. What tips do you have from people back home that struggle with storytelling? Maybe if it's, in, if it's on a date, interview, whatever it might be, what tips would you give them to focus on storytelling? I would say that's a great question, by the way. I think it comes down to real truth and honesty when you're telling a story. And I, my whole career, literally up until COVID maybe, a little bit before COVID, I was so, maybe a little when I broke my leg snowboarding, I, I was kind of it's kind of, you know, I'm this fast-paced, fast-paced, it's props, props, it's this, but I I never, I'd tell a little bit of a joke, but I wouldn't tell a story. And then I was stuck on this knee scooter for, for like five, six months. And the show had to change because I couldn't run around like an idiot every night with all my things. So I was just stuck, just stuck like a stand-up. And I would just tell stories. I just told, and, I, and it started becoming, but people were like, wow, this is, it, it was just my, even my crew was like, this is kind of fun. It's like you, and then it just turned into more, more of that. And then I, I got back on my two feet from that. We had COVID and COVID, we were the first show back in Vegas. It was me and Fantasy. We came back and there was only because it was, I was the only, there was only one person on stage. Uh-huh. So they brought me back again. They asked me and I said, no, oh, no, no, so you no, were no. probably one of the first shows, very right? Because you don't know, very first. It was just me. There was no other, oh, wow. no, the only, no one in Vegas. They had to be great. There for might have been strip though. shows going on, <laughs> but as far as performance shows, it was just me. And the, uh, but the thing was, they moved me into the Chris Angel Theater, which was at the time when he was there. It was like I don't know, let's say seventeen hundred seats, somewhere close to that. They only allowed you know one hundred and fifty, two hundred people, and they had a, a moat 
in the in the front of it. So it would, it would take off about you know forty feet, and then they would have two people, four people, two people, four, you know, six people, one. And I come out, and I'm this you know little on this big stage again, back to Bally's days, and I'm holding up a prop that nobody can see. They didn't have screens. There's no, <laughs> they can't see it. What the hell? And I started doing more of that. I was like, I gotta just tell stories again. Because they could, they would listen to my stories, dev- yeah. yeah. As they would do, listen to, trying to follow along with these props. So I just started telling more, and I came up with I mean, almost an hour of just things about my family and how you know my brother was named after a aviation company, and I was named after a toilet paper company. Which, is, <laughs> but it turned into this whole story, and people were like really digging it. So then it just kind of happened where I just started. And then I one day I said, oh, yeah, I'm old now, so I can't lie about my age on the Internet. So, you know, when I played colleges, I'd always just say, yeah, how old are you, like 23? I'd always go up one year. Yeah. You're 26, 27. It always works if you go up one. If you go up any more than one or go down more than one, they don't buy it. Okay, but gotcha. they kind of guess you're 30, you just go 31, they go, okay. okay. <laughs> I still do that. But I'm not now because they look you up where you're at the restaurant. They're like, you're like 58. I'm like, yeah, I'm not like 58. I'm 58. <laughs> So it started to become fun, kind of to be honest again, like I was telling true story, is telling and being honest with the crowd. And it's, that's how it seems to me it's worked more because I'm honest in telling a story that's real. It's not, you're not making it up. It's like really happened to me, you know, as a kid. So I think people can see it and sense it. Same with what you're saying. If anyone's yeah. going to tell a story or have to speech and do a thing in front of the crowd, just just from the heart, from the I heart. think is really uh, really makes a difference. And I think people can really see through it. You know, yeah, they can tell that you're really sincere about your story. Yeah, I think the sincerity and honesty thing is so true. But I also want to go into some people do that and then they completely fall apart. They're in an interview and it goes awry. They're in a presentation, they start to panic. Yeah, have yeah. you ever had those moments where you are doing your storytelling didn't go the way you wanted? And you're trying to adjust from like the breakdown. What do you do? To well, that's adjust that that's life in general. Yeah, it happens. To, I don't care. I don't care who you are. Probably the best of the best have had a moment, especially in comedy, where you're doing something and you had them, and you're like, "Oh man, what did I do wrong? Did I say it wrong? Did I just fuck the whole thing?" Um, I remember talking to George Carlin one night. Well, this is relevant to what you just said. He, he's, I, I remember saying to him directly to him, "I said, wow." what's it like to be you like where you finally you know got it and he said what do you mean i said you know you're at this level now where you you figured it out you've done you know hbo specials for 30 years you're you're you i mean you got it now and he said i got nothing i got nothing shit. i have nothing i still don't have a clue what i'm doing wow. every night i try to do better and every night i feel i did and do as good as i could do and i mean that's and that was coming from the best of the best in the world and it's kind of true i think if you i i kind of use that theory i i mean it's been very very rare i come off a show i'm like fucking nailed that that yeah. was a great goddamn show <laughs> and because uh, usually i'm like ah well, god i messed up that one everything was perfect sure and i mean that one thing i just ah. But I mean, I let it go away sooner than I used to. I'd, I'd hold on to it for two days. But now, Letterman used to do that. Letterman was very famously known for coming off a, a show and going up and off. watching the show and just horribly upset with himself every night. Even if it was a good show, he'll even tell you that he just was huh. miserable. about he would kill David Letterman, but he would he would just like ah, it's not good enough. Not yeah. good enough. You think if guys like you, Dave Letterman, George Carlin, are experiencing that, then maybe the answer is. Get comfortable, or just get out that, of the, just get out of the feeling. business. I think just quit. Just <laughs> but I quit. think it's all businesses. I don't think it's just comedy. no. That's I why I said it's, all, it's yeah. in any business. It's yeah. in any business. It doesn't matter if you're a comedian. You're a, if you're selling uh, sod. I mean, yeah. everyone everyone has had a situation where you're like, ah, man. 
yeah. But yeah. again, I think that's just life, and it's just having to 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 you know not have that anxiety. It's easy to say. Yeah. I, I, people always say, "Would well, you just calm down?" You know, you have an anxiety attack. Yeah. Well, just relax. It's like the deep, worst deep. advice you yeah, should yeah, give. Yeah, yeah. Just just relax. Just relax. <laughs> you know, deep, take deep breaths. I've done that. I, it's a, it's like when you get a cold, they always say, you know, drink some some lemon water. Was, okay, like I didn't thank you for giving me the advice of drinking some fucking tea. Like I didn't <laughs> I appreciate know appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. they always give sleep you and get some well, tea. Drink, and rest and just relax and drink some tea and and have a. Uh, okay, I didn't I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I love it. Getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm, uh, that's yeah. the answer from Scott. Yeah. Scott, we have to end with uh, two trading secrets. Okay, oh, yeah. so every guest comes on, they give us trading secrets. The first trading secret is going to be one deal you did that like change your life or that you'll always remember maybe it was small maybe it was like oh, i did this stupid stand-up deal for 10 10 bucks but it changed my life or you got the million dollar check for doing this one deal that changed your life and then the second one is going to be a career lesson people can only get from scott thompson given your career track they can't find okay. it on youtube or a textbook so let's start with the deal that you'll always remember well, the deal that I remember, again, it's not about money. In fact, I don't think there's been one time in my career where I did something for money where I thought, ooh, I signed a big contract or got a deal for something because I've never, maybe because I've never done that. That's so cool. But the best thing that I've done for my career, I think, when I, when I, when I was uh, starting out, they asked if I would be, uh, if I would do this college. Uh, it's called NACA, National Association of College oh, yeah, Activities. Oh, yeah, I know NACA. Yeah. And so I did the NACA, and I did all these different regions, and I did really, really, really well. And then they had the National Convention in Dallas. And this is literally probably what broke, I think, my career wide open was, and it wasn't television. I, well, but television, of course, has a, had a big impact because I was, but it started with the colleges. And so I did, I did the, the national performance in front of all the college kids. So, I mean, all the the main people. So yeah. imagine, you know, 10,000 kids, but they're all, every, every person in that Different room. Different schools. Books, books, the, you know, Notre Dame, books, Florida State, books, Florida. So, and you, you know, you did kind of, I'm always been good at that. Don't think about that. Just, you know, just do your normal show. Don't over constantly think about, oh, all these people out there can make or break yeah. you. So I went up and just did my, my thing. Just whatever I would normally do at a show. And it was so, it went so great. And I broke whatever Harry Chapin's record for the number of bookings in one day at a, at a, at a NACA. So what happened with that was like, I was, I was employed for, you know, two or three years automatically. Like I'm already booked three years out, you know, I got Notre Dame, I got Florida, I got, you know, Boston College for like three years. And, and so I was always, and I was playing big venues, but then little cafeterias yeah. one morning in the cafeteria and then the afternoon was a, was or the evening was a big theater so i was doing i i was like the weirdest thing it was just from and you learn so much and then that's when i started doing tv so i would do like you know notre dame and then that next morning i fly to new york and do regis and kathy lee yeah. and then do a couple colleges and then friday i would do the tonight show and so people it was like grassroots marketing in a sense where people would, like kids in college would say we saw this guy carrot top and then their grandmother said i saw carrot top on regis yeah and their other <laughs> their parents were like i just saw him on the sony show so it was like i was i became like this it was like eight to eight from eight to eighty i was kind of entertaining yeah. every group and it kind of appealed to every group and every market so it kind of became this who the fuck is carrot top and how's he getting Oh, but it was it was all this hard work. But it was you know, I was lucky in a sense that they, you know, I was perfect for television. All the props and the thing, it was the perfect match, you know, yeah. because the visuals aspect of my show was perfect for for television, and especially at that time when they had a lot of shows that 
put comics on yeah. and there's not a lot of outlets now except the internet there's a lot of tv shows don't even book comics anymore they don't have comedians on that much unless they're selling a book or a dvd or a special or something of that nature so right. i was very lucky at that time when i hit that's cool that's where the snowball started we yeah. see where it is today yeah. one trading secrets career advice someone's lost within their career something that you experienced that got you through maybe hard times one trading secret on the career advice perspective well Scott. i think just being general about it i think kind of we've talked about it a few times with my leg being broken and talking about the COVID. i think i think it's 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 finding especially in a career any career I think if you find out what it is that you do and what you're trying to do is is really hone in on what you what you're doing and what you want to do but know everything about what you do and and also put in the work. I think that's the most important part of any job. I don't care if you're an accountant, you're a lawyer, a doctor, you're a comedian, you're a rock star. You know, the ones that the Rolling Stones are in the studio right now making their 71st album. That's, crazy, that's the kind of shit that I take. I'm like, "You know what? Fuck. You know, the Rolling Stones are still in the studio making your album they don't need to make an album no. they don't have to even perform but they love what they fucking do yeah. and that's what i do i love my job i love preparing for it i love i love doing my sound check and we come up with every night and the sounds we come up with a joke i don't know why it's just but that's the time where i think of it but putting in the hard work you know putting in the time putting in taking your job seriously too like you know some of us do some shots and they're like well i have to go to work you know right. sorry but i'll i'll have a shot after yeah i'm sure. definitely will have a shot with you after the show. <laughs> but uh, yeah i think just stay dedicated and really honed in on your craft and uh, and believe in in what you're doing too i mean every everybody in the world told me that i wouldn't make it as anything i mean but especially as a comic i mean everybody was like there's a joke in my show it's not even a joke it's a real story but you know, even my father, when I when I said I wanted to be a comedian, he said something something to the effect of, "You do know that's probably not going to happen." And it's true. I said, "Yeah, you're you're fuck. You're probably right." But I didn't believe him. I said, "Why? Why won't it happen? Why can't I do it? I mean, why not? Yeah, why not? Don't believe in if you can't. Eyes. No, you can't. I mean, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but everyone will say that you're not going to. Oh, you're going to be okay. You're going to be that. Okay. My brother went to the Air Force Academy and flew F-16s. Like, what the fuck? I remember my my brother wanted to. I was like, you know, twelve. My brother said, I want to be a pilot. And I said, okay. But my brother was smart, you know, so I said, well, you could probably do it because you're smart. You know, you're book smart. You can do it. And then he went to the Air Force Academy. You know, I was like, yeah. what the fuck? And I'm, you know. I didn't go to the Air Force Academy, <laughs> yeah. but I went and saw him there, and I remember thinking, man, my brother's smart, but he, he did. He committed to it. Yeah. He did all the work that he had to do to become an F-16 fighter jet pilot that, that no one else Shit, there's only 30 people in his class that, you know, yeah. a billion people wanted to do that. But he, yeah. he was dedicated. He, no, he didn't have money. He, didn't, he got a point. You know, he got a, he got a scholarship to go and, sure. and from swimming, but you don't just go to the Air Force Academy and do it. You got to no, do it. You got to you know, do you it. You get kicked out of the Air Force Academy if you don't do it. So. Yeah. I think it's brilliant advice, especially for people that are on the precipice of like trying to push through to what they want to do and yeah. they hear them hearing it from you. Yeah. And to me, like the biggest thing that I admire from what you said today that I'll never forget is you never even picked up your paycheck. Oh, that's that so is true. such well, an kind of a dumb it's, thing, by but, the way. Don't, yeah, don't dumb take thing, right? But <laughs> whatever. But it's also that's a, people hear that and go, Jesus. It's a dream. Like that is, I agree, yeah. but it's also a dream. Yeah, I have, a, I have about a hundred comics that will, 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 could, could attest to that. They yeah. always just say, you didn't, you didn't pick up his check. And then call me and say, you left your check at the club. That, and I said, I know, they'll mail it to me. That is a dream. It yeah. is awesome. I know you have a show to go to tonight. Yeah, and for yeah. everyone listening right now in the recap, we're going to talk all about the show because we are going. That's right, you're going. Yes. Oh my God. Shit, I was.
Let's go. That'd be good. We're I'm fired up. We're having yeah, a couple be drinks before. Yeah, We're going to watch it. Scott, if anybody wants to know more from you, wants to reach out to you, wants to find you, where can they find uh, you, Scott? My cell phone number is 401. <laughs> uh, just reach out to... Uh, well, we have uh, all my social media, like uh, caretop.com yeah. and uh, Instagram's Caretop Live and uh, it's Real Caretop at the Facebook and all that, whatever you call it. But uh, yeah, you can just Google me, find me somehow. And I would love to uh, chat with anybody. I, I try to answer a lot of questions on my Instagram. People Great. will ask me if they're... A question you want to answer back, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. some people just like, you know, some people could be assholes, but then, the, but, but they, but they have a question that really does like spark me. I'm always like, Ooh, I love to, I love to, that's awesome. or it's a real dumb one. I love getting back to them. <laughs> there you go. Go find yeah, Carrot yeah, Top yeah. on social media. Guys, we're going to show you where to get tickets to Carrot Top's show when you come to Vegas. And Scott, thank you so thank much you for coming on much. Trading that Secrets. That was really this fun. Is awesome. Yeah, this thank is you. Next time he's trading secrets. So yes. Well, every year at the okay, end of the good. year, yeah, you do? I got to be in the hot okay, seat. Good, I good, share good, where I good, make it, where good, I lost good, it. Good, good, good. This was great. Thank you thank so much. Thank you. Ding, ding, ding. Wow, that's the worst ding, ding, ding of my career. But that is what 12 days on the road will get you. It has been a very, very productive 12 days. My gosh, the networking work has been incredible. But David, I am doing this recording live from Vegas, flying back tomorrow, and how appropriate that we have Carrot Top, the Vegas legend, one of the top performers in the entire city for decades plus. What are you thinking about the one and only Carrot Top? Well, I'm looking at you as we do this in your hotel room in Vegas. I can't help but get the Katy Perry song, Waking Up in Vegas, out of my head as I look at you. A little bit of a frog in the throat, but to be expected. F1, big weekend in Vegas. And Jay, I'm going to get to that a little later because I have my curiosities on the whole F1 in Vegas thing are running rampant. But like you said, Carrot Top, Vegas, and I just got to put this out there in the universe. I couldn't believe how calm and well-natured his tone and energy was i was expecting carrot top like off the rails bouncy ball energy like you not being able to get a control of them just so different when you sit down and talk to someone about their life and their path and their experiences just like how normal they can be compared to the character that they're perceived to be yeah and i think his character is his show is his brand when he's on stage that's him right he's doing it and it's hilarious and it's amazing to watch but behind stage which we went backstage He's everything you would imagine, the same exact guy that you just heard. And what's interesting, though, is do you remember Batman Forever, the Riddler? Yes, way back in the day. So his VIP area, it reminded me of like the Riddler's cave. Like he has all these different like props and toys and these ideas with pens and paper of, you know, his next joke that he comes up with on the spot and he creates his own props and, you know, big famous people like prince and really well-known people had been there and signed it in pictures he's a huge crown royal fan so we had a lot of crown royal back there it was just interesting but he was very accommodating very sweet very very kind soul uh if you don't know crown royal it's a canadian whiskey shout out to all my canadians out there but hearing you say that and, and knowing the character even hearing you say that what his backstage looks like looking like the riddler i would assume that that goes home with him that he would have the crazy las vegas mansion with the weird antique cars and crazy cars and weird setups at home but as he talked about he lives a very frugal lifestyle which i just respect so much and it was just so interesting to hear this side of him because i gotta be honest jay when you told me that we had carrot top coming on i'm like where's this coming from this is coming out of left field but he had such good perspectives on not only his path but i think like we always talk about things that you can take home as a listener and i just think overall his perspective of like 
when you said his name is Scott, I like laughed out loud when I was listening to it because I was like Scott. I was like, oh yeah, he he isn't just Carrick Top. And you've had this a little bit like Jason from The Bachelor, now obviously like changing that brand. But can you just touch on a little bit about what you feel like the perception when you're a character to the world and people don't even know your name, like how much that just may change like the value of your name or people calling you by your name, which I really respected that you did. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think it's really interesting just to hear his name, but also how he got like stuck in that brand. The whole idea of Carrot Top, that to me is like fascinating. And David, when you talked about the simplicity of it, like we edited this out, but I said, what's your favorite restaurant in Vegas? Because Vegas has some of the best restaurants in the world. And he said, Norda Italian, they have good pizza, which is like a chain. So I think he just has this like simple, simple lifestyle. This is his life. He does it six days a week. He's so good at what he does. And what's interesting is when he kind of talked about being like, once you're Carrot Top, like you're stuck. Like there's no pivoting out of it. I've talked about the movie I saw him do. You know, he took shots at that. But there's other, the counter to that is like, he's had a sustainable brand for 30 years. So who cares if he can't pivot out, you know? And he's happy. Exactly. And I, and I think like he touched on how his marketing degree actually, you know, came in handy as he was establishing the Carrot Top name. And I just like, I have a lot of respect for you calling him Scott the whole interview and not Carrot Top. And I think that allowed him to just kind of like melt into the interview a little bit and really give you some raw answers, which is really cool. One answer that I do need to ask you about that you said to bring up, and it was already in my notes, was Q rating. He talked about, you know, the, the story of him, you know, convince his manager convincing someone, I'll take the elevator downstairs and you're in Hollywood. And he was all nervous that no one would recognize him. But what exactly is a Q rating? Is it something that still exists? And do you know yours if it does? So I don't know mine, but Q rating is essentially like a measurement of the familiarity. This is from Wikipedia too, and then I'll break it down. The familiarity and appeal of a brand, celebrity, company, or entertainment product. So the higher the Q score, the more highly regarded that item or person is. And they will look at Q rating scores when someone does an appearance on TV. How long they're there? What is the overall Q rating? And the, the, Q, the Q score is a metric that determines a quotient factor through male or online panelists who make up representative samples of the population. The things that go into the Q rating are given choices for each person, which are A, being surveyed, right? So if you're surveyed, they're asked, is this one of my favorites? Are they very good? Are they good? Are they fair? Are they poor or did you never hear them? When you're talking about the brand, the person is celebrity. So the, you know, the, the layman's terms is it's a rating that media and companies use to determine what the popularity is of an item, something, person, or place. And I remember like even the Bachelor world, they'll give you engagement scores of like when your face showed and stuff like that. They won't give you that, but I had a producer talk to me about it. But they're monitoring that to see when someone's on TV what is it doing for ratings based on Q rating? Yeah, that's very interesting. Now, my my conspiracy hat, as as I think about the Q rating, and you tie it to things that we've talked about on this podcast, like credit score, do you think between Q rating, credit score, the way that we're looked at as a society, do you think that we'll ever get to a point where a social score is really something that is instituted in our society? And if And if so, have you seen the Black Mirror episode on basically that? Yeah, I've seen that episode, and I think 100%. I think when you look at social currency, you know, I had a dinner with a bunch of executives the other day, all big timers in Nashville, older gentlemen for the most part. And I 
got on the table, I told him, like, everyone here is respected and loved within their communities. A lot of because their title, power, and like what they've achieved. But in the next generation and the next generation after that, it's actually not going to be about like title. It's social currency is going to be a big thing. Like if you're running the hospitals, you're going to have to have an online presence. And the idea of like following and social brand and all that is now a new form of currency and it's changing dramatically. And I think that Black Mirror episode is terrifying, but also there's some truth to it. Wow. Okay. Didn't, that was a great answer. It also terrifies me a little bit. I was hoping you'd say, no way, but... I have said more words in the last 12... That's why I have no <laughs> voice. I have said more words in the last 12 days than I've ever said before. So the fact that I could string a sentence together and make it make sense right now... You're sharp. Great sharp, sharp as attack right now, Jay. Sharp as attack. <laughs> I just got to end with... Before I get into the F1 stuff, he taught, you asked him what his biggest deal was. He didn't talk a lot of numbers, and that's because at the end of the day... You, you could tell like he just doesn't give a fuck about numbers. He talked about not picking up his paycheck. Talk about when his biggest deal, he talked about the NACA, set a record for bookings and things that really propelled his career. And I loved how he was saying I was going to colleges, then I was going on Regis, then I was going on late night. And by the way, his impressions, all time. So I, you know, we've had a lot of people who when you bring deals up and money up, like I always go back to like Rich BFF, like she probably could have listed off her top 50 deals financially. You get a like, guy like Carrot Top on, he gives you more of like a holistic answer. I was just really impressed with him. I know you got to spend some time with him, went to a show, went backstage, but just overall, really, really in- interesting character. Interesting guy who's done amazing things, really enjoyed his presence. We'll talk a little F1 here for just a couple minutes because then I got to go because they're trying to kick me out of this room, David. I got to get out of here, but we got to give some to the Money Mafia. This review comes in from KLDRPDB22. Jason, longtime listener, first time reviewer, love the pod. I've heard you say a few times that if you won the lottery, the first thing you would do is delete all your social media. Do you have a savings goal or anything that you would consider winning the lottery? Also, I often heard that winning the lottery can be pretty detrimental to your finances and most winners go broke. It'd be interesting to hear from a lottery winner or someone who has insight into that. Wow. Thank you so much for that review. Email us your address at tradingsecrets.jasontarek.com. We will give you something from the influencer closet. That's a great question about what would be my lottery. And the big thing with lottery would be that I would never have to worry about money again and that I could pass on money to hopefully what will soon at some point be a next generation. That number sounds like a number I could ask you in the Jason Tell All uh, season three that's coming up in six weeks here, Jason, or four weeks almost. Put it on your list. I will put it on my list. Put it on your list. Let's do it. That's a great review. All right, David, what else you got in F1? Because they're going to kick me out of here. Yeah, I don't want you to get kicked out of the room. I am going to ask you one question, and then I think we're gonna. it's going to be a call to action from our listeners. If you want to hear more about F1, I think we could almost spin this into a mini episode potentially, or maybe some ideas that we can get more active on our, our social media channels. But You've been to F1, you've been to Super Bowls, you've been to Ryder Cups, you've been to big events. How did the F1 in Vegas atmosphere event, just whole grandeur of it all, how did it compare to some other, other big sporting events you've been to in your, in your life? So Evan gave me an article here before, and it said over 300,000 people attended, and it had a $1.2 billion impact on the city. That doesn't surprise me at all, because the biggest thing with F1 that I'm just blown away by is the money. Like The money behind it is just so, so next level. It's really hard to comprehend the economics behind this. The infrastructure, the time, the detail, the effort, it's a sport like no other. It's fascinating. It's growing at a very fast pace. I would say logistically, it was a nightmare. They had some issues early on. Oh. Getting there and getting out was a nightmare. But the actual race was, the only one word I could think of is an absolute spectacle. 
That's amazing. Because I, I was on TikTok nonstop before, and it, they were calling it Firefest 2.0 leading up to it. And some of the, you know, like you said, the logistical issues they were having. The race itself, a spectacle I could imagine being charge of like hospitality of the event. So many celebrities, so many billionaires, so many millionaires, so many people flying in for that event, all all wanting and seeking access. It looked great on TV. I love loved that you had a positive experience, but I want to hear more about it. So you're going to get that from me, whether it's on this pod or, or you know, a quick phone call after this. If you guys want to know more, let us know. Just go to the comments, give us five stars and say, do an F1 recap because I can talk all about the dollars, the cents, the events, the people that it came across, all the detail. So let us know. But thank you again for tuning into another episode of Trading Secrets. One you can't afford to miss. I'm going to take a pause here because when I said thank you right there, it really hit home. I had come across so many people, David, in my time and traveling over the last week and a half. And 95% of them came up and asked about the podcast, talked about the podcast, had feedback for the podcast, say they listen to it every day. One girl said, every morning, 5.30 at Monday, that's my routine, is listening to your show. And I just want to say thank you to the Money Mafia. You guys have built us, you have made us, and you have given us the energy to keep going, keep making an impact through education and insight. Please remember to subscribe. Please remember to give us five stars. And uh, thank you. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Trading Secrets 1. You can't afford to miss. Time for me to get out of Vegas and go treat this horse voice. Hey.